0: I know several people told me yesterday and texted me this morning and said they weren't going to be here, which is always encouraging. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> really, it doesn't. It really doesn't bother me. At first, I'm like, oh man, because I, I like seeing everybody. But, but here's the cool thing. What I'm talking about today goes right along with them texting me and telling me they're not going to be here. The church, our building, in and of itself, although I love coming here, should not be the pinnacle of your Christian life. That's right. I say that because when I first got saved, it was. <clears throat> because it was all I knew, and, and I learned a lot in church, so it was a good place to go to learn more, because I'd been 21 years without knowing anything about the Bible. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't know anything about it. So I was trying to play catch-up, so anytime time the doors were open, I was in there. But it was also based on many of us that got caught up in that performance system, was I, I've got to learn more so that I can earn more, so that I can be more, so that I can do more, and then I got burned out and realized I was already more in the beginning. <laughs> so, but, but don't... I, I just... I don't want to downplay the church because we're very, it's very important for us to meet and have a relationship, but at the same time, I know that everyone that is doing different things, I know some people are at like a, a bridal show for their business, and some people are, are traveling, and some people are doing different things. Some people are in the hospital with a new baby, celebrating life. Um, these are all things that, that don't affect your Christian walk. They actually are good parts of that. You know, you don't know who's being ministered right now in the hospital or at this bridal show, or you don't know what's going on because we're not coming to this place just to experience the manifest presence of God, that's in you, and you and you and you and you and you. Collectively, it's fun to get together and see it in all of us. But at the same time, when we spread out, man, that's even better. I remember one one time in youth, we only had like three people, and we normally ran back then. It was like twenty or thirty people, and there was like three people, in there. I was like, "Where is everybody?" And I started taking inventory. It was the same thing. Like three of them were on mission trips in three different places, and I was like, "Man, this is great. I'd rather people be spread out, spreading the gospel, than all together all the time." So, anyway. I'm not discouraged when you have to go places, but come here anyway because I like seeing you. Um, but what I want to talk about uh, specifically today is Holy Spirit power. Power. We had, uh, and I'm not, I am don't want to try to make some kind of lesson out of yesterday, but we had, I just want to tell you all briefly, if you weren't there, we had a really fun time on the river. We had a river day with the youth. Um, had a bunch of kids out there. Man, I've never seen so many kids on a boat. I thought they were going to sink poor Ben's boat. Uh, but I had, I had to... Ben and I had the uh, the grueling task of tethering kids to inflatables and hurling them across the water. <laughs> it was a lot of hard work. Uh, but uh, this kind of comes on the tail end of me pressure washing the house and spraying bleach in my face for two days. So my face is real crispy and <laughs> hurts real bad right now. So if I squint a little bit and drink a lot of water, that's because I'm a little dehydrated and tired. But we had a lot of fun, and it was pretty cool to see um, to see the kids, especially kids that, are a little afraid to get on tubes and to do things because they're a little intimidated by it. And then gradually begin to build up their confidence. And they're like, yeah, go faster, go faster. And then you sling them off and they're like, "Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to go any faster. But it was really cool to see um, all the people come together and everybody just hang out and get to know each other. And it was just a whole lot of fun. So um, we're going to have some more of those. And it was funny because when we announced it as as a youth day, we didn't really, I guess we didn't put it real specifically that it was youth day. And I had more adults messaging me, when's this day? What can we bring? We'll be there. And I was like, well, I guess we need to do like a family day, so the next one we're going to do for adults, I mean, kids can come too, but we'll, we'll make a river day for the adults, and we'll just have fun, so we're already talking about that and in the works, so we're going to do that soon, so calm down, adults, I, y'all can have fun too. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> just want to kind of talk about that briefly, it was a lot of fun, and thanks to everybody that contributed, whether it was food, money, time, boats, fuel, you guys are awesome, um, especially my wife, you're awesome. I'll leave that alone so I don't start crying. Holy Spirit power. Come um, Kind of springboarding from last week. Something Paul said that struck me that that we, not last week, the week, it was the week before last, wasn't it? it? Was last week Father's Day? Week before last. Springboarding from two weeks ago. I'm sure you remember everything I said from then. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians two 2.4, he said, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Um, something I've just been kind of wrestling with and thinking about is, is what that looks like, Holy Spirit power. And, and many of us have different backgrounds and what that looks like. And I've talked to many people from different backgrounds, different denominations of what that looks like. All very similar in nature, but, but produce or um, from the outside look like they produce different things, if that makes any sense. Um, when I talk to some people from more specific denominations, they would say, well, the, 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 the power that you get um, will, will give you better results and basically in soul winning or in, in having more people come to the altar. That was one of the backgrounds. In my background, which is a little more, uh, I guess, a charismatic background, it was uh, Holy Spirit power would would uh, anoint you or you would fall out, or there was, there was always this, these outward expressions of what that looked like. And the problem with that is the problem we have with everything else that God does is we want to put it in a box and call it our own and then build our religion around it. Instead of just seeing it for what it is, it's just a byproduct of knowing Jesus and having his Holy Spirit in, indwelled inside of us and producing life in and through us. Now, that in and of itself is the crux, I'll, I'll skip to the end if I will, that's the crux of this whole message is it's Christ and his indwelling spirit in and through us every day, all day. What we do is when we see the results of that, sometimes we want to see the results of that, and then we want to we paint that picture as though that's the reality that we need to live in 24-7, and that's not always the case. Jesus didn't even do this. Jesus walked around and did different things all the time. He didn't do the same thing over and over again. We see all the miracles of Jesus, how he would spit in mud and rub in somebody's eye or something, or he would tell them to go wash in, you know, a pool, or then they, or they couldn't, and he'd, well, whatever, just take up your mat and walk, or, you know, it didn't matter. There were all these different things where someone would touch his garment and power would come on them. There were all these different instances, and I think it's, I think some just happened and some were intentional. I think Jesus was teaching us, teaching his disciples, and also just as a natural byproduct of him being the son of God, things happened around him. I think all these are true, not in and of themselves and not mutually exclusive. Jesus walked and talked with people. He, he looked at nature and, and, and showed them, look at this bird, look at these lilies. He used things that he saw around them to teach them. It wasn't just from the Torah, although he did use examples from the Torah. Do you see where I'm going with this? Jesus was a, a walking, talking son of God. <laughs> I know this seems really simplistic, but this is, we Christians are little like little Christ. We're not God, but we are like Christ in that he was the prototype for us, not that we should try to mimic him because that's religion. We're not trying to copy him. He indwells in us. So we're not just trying to do it on our own like he does it. We are allowing him to do it in and through us. Does that make sense? In doing so, you may see some kooky things. Right? Anybody? Anybody seen some kooky things? I've seen some kooky things. I'm not even going to pretend like I haven't seen some kooky things. (laughs) Now, those things in and of themselves are not and here's where I want to go with this. I saw, I saw a message uh, the other day of another pastor, and I'm not even going to say who it is, but he, he was talking about generations passing down, and with good intentions, this was not anything bad, he was saying, <clears throat> if this father doesn't teach this son, because this father likes to, I'll say fish, because everybody like, everybody said for me likes to fish, I don't care about fishing, but this father likes to fish, and he was saying, if this father goes fishing on Sunday mornings and doesn't come to church, he's teaching his son that fishing is more important than God. Now, what's the problem with that? Something jumped. There was a leap there. Did you see it? Did you see the leap? Church is God, exactly. We have to be very careful with that. Church is good. Not bashing the church. Church is not God. What he he needs to teach that child is he is the church. He could be on a boat fishing and teaching his son that he carries the Holy Spirit inside of him. While he catches a big, largemouth bass or whatever you fisher people catch. I guess that's a that deep sea fish and they will catch bass out there. Specs, right? Sea bass. Uh, anyway, I'm getting distracted. I'm thinking of fish. Squirrel. <laughs> fish. <laughs> that's going to be the new thing now. Fish. <clears throat> anyway, the problem with that is if you take it all the way, and, and Ben and I talked about this more, if you take that all the way to its end, then that means, okay, let's let's take that road. Let's say that that we need, to teach us, we need to teach our children to come to church that's important. It is important. I'm not saying it's not. But let's say that in order to see God and to experience God, they need to come to church. What does that teach them? That teaches them that if they come to church, then they know God and, they, and, and that everything is okay. Because, but that's not true. <laughs> that it's more important than anything else. Right. That's, that's the problem with that. It's such a fine line because I love the church. I love the church. I love us. I love our building. I love air conditioning. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. But we have to see, we have to see deeper than that. We have to see deeper that it's not just about this building. The, the, the temple is you. You're walking, talking temples. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, power. Let's talk about power because that's what I really want to talk about. The worldview view power conveys the ability to control people events and circumstances to our own advantage, right? In the world power brings independence and self-sufficiency with no need for God's help. The world's power is temporary leaving a person always wanting more. This is something that I I learned pretty early in life trying to gain things and trying to gain um, whether it was acceptance from people or um, status in a work position or something like that is that it didn't matter how high you went, you always had to have more. Same thing with with things, Any, anything you have, it's never enough. And that started early with me, with like customizing vehicles. I can never leave a vehicle alone. I just can't. And the people used to rag me about it. My stepdad specifically was like, "Why can't you just leave anything alone?" I like, "I don't know. Whatever's in you that tells you to leave things alone, I've got the opposite thing." And he was like, "Engineers get paid, you know, all this money to make these, and you're ruining it." That's what he would always say. "You're ruining these vehicles." And I was like, "Well, they designed them for other people, not me. <laughs> I want it to be like I want it to be, and I've just always had a creative." And to me, it's just—it's—it's it's a relaxing place for me. It settles me down a little bit. It's like ADD, and it, that just kind of calms me down when I create things or work on things. And so, um, but there was never enough. I almost got a personalized license plate that said "Never Enough" on it, because it was never enough. I could never—it was never finished, right? If, has, has anybody ever had a project like that, or many projects like that? If you have a house, <laughs> one thing I did discover—side note, sidebar. Houses are a hundred million times worse than vehicles when you try to fix them. They're horrible and nothing's square. Who builds these things? (laughs) Never forget the first time I worked on a house and I was like, nothing in this house is square. How am I supposed to build anything right, correctly? Anyway, never ending. Um, So power, searching for power and control uh, is the opposite of the way that Holy Spirit power works. Holy Spirit power is not the same way that temporary power works. Holy Spirit power... Holy Spirit power is eternal. It's not temporary. Power in the Greek is dunamis. Most of you know this. It's where we get the term dynamite. the power. It makes pretty, pretty good sense. But it's strength, the definition, Greek definition of dunamis is strength, power, ability. I love this. It says inherit power, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. There's a key word there in its nature. This is something we've talked about extensively. Whether I'm up here or anybody else is up here, we talk about our nature our new nature, our nature that is of Christ now. We've, we have, we're partakers of the divine nature. Um, and that's what Second Peter says. We're partakers of his divine nature. So Lord has, has taken the heart of stone out and written his law in our hearts, and our brand-new hearts that he's given us, so we have a new nature. So this power is inherent in the nature that we have. We don't seek it outside of ourselves other than Christ dwelling in us, Right? Here's, here's where my background has kind of shifted it to where it's like this completely separate thing, and I, and I hate, it sounds bad, but it's the way that it was presented to me, and so I'm, this is just my experience. It may not be your experience, so bear with me. But it was always taught to me that you, you, you received Christ and you got his Holy Spirit, but then there was more. There was something else that you needed besides Christ. Now, it was always in good intentions that, that there is more. I think there is more in Christ, but it was always presented to me as a separate thing than Christ. It was Christ and then power. You need Christ, but then you need power. Wait a minute. Which one do I need? Do I need Christ and power, or do I just need Christ and he is the power? It is in Christ that we find power. It's his dunamis power that we have anything, not by our own merit, or that we could earn anything at all. It's not separate from him. It is is so entwined in who Christ is that we can't escape it. It's a very natural byproduct of that. Now, from that place you will begin to see demonstrations of that power in your life. And it's not up to me to determine what that looks like, other than it's, it's shielded by love and everything that it does. And I told you guys a couple weeks ago, if you're gifted in an area and you don't have love, don't operate in here. Sorry. If you were gifted in, in an area, if the Lord's gifted you in a place, but you don't have love, Paul's pretty clear, we don't, need to, we don't need to do that. When you find love, man, please operate in your gift. We need you. The world needs you. Operate in your gift under the umbrella of law. So power, the, the first questions we ask are how, when, how do we get it, where do we get it? All, all these questions that are pretty natural questions, I think are pretty carnal or human questions, but I think the biggest question we need to ask ourselves is why. Why do we need power, right? Why do we need power? Well, sometimes things don't go as planned. Second Corinthians 12, 9. This is basically after Paul asked the Lord to take a thorn away from him. I saw a meme the other day that had Spongebob Squarepants in prison next to him. Have you all seen that? And he was asking him to take the thorn away from him. <laughs> Spongebob was talking to him. It was pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <clears throat> so Paul had asked him that. Well, the Lord re- replied to him. He said, this is uh, 2 Corinthians twelve nine. if you want to turn there. Uh, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Whose power? God's power. Made perfect in weakness; therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power—whose power? Christ's power. This is not a separate thing. It's Christ. Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, and insults, and hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We're gonna skip down to fourteen. Now, he sees this. The Lord's telling him this: that my grace is sufficient. This is where you're finding your power. He's not finding his power necessarily that in Paul is weak, but that in Christ is strong. Now, the results of that is this. Paul says in Corinthians, he's talking to the Corinthian church, he says, now I'm ready to visit you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you, because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? Listen. Listen this r&d thing Paul's demonstrating here he received from the lord grace and he's he's giving it to the corinthians saying listen i don't want your possessions i don't want anything that you have i just want you i want you to know that i love you and that i care for you he wants them to see that who does it sound like it sounds just like jesus john 13:3 says jesus knowing that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from god and was returning to god so he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Listen, Jesus, realizing that he had all power and all authority on heaven and earth, sits down and washes his disciples' feet. That's what eternal power does, not temporary power that tries to control people. Eternal power seeks to serve people. Paul, being filled and influenced by the Holy Spirit, acts out of the dunamis power of love and grace inside him. This is his true nature. He is a partaker of the divine nature of of Christ himself. Listen, when Jesus sends the 12 out, he talks about the same thing. Freely you receive, freely give. Drive out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. What? Freely you have been given, freely give it away. Not charging people for it, not boasting about it, just freely doing it. Freely receiving, freely giving. It's very simple. Now, there's a good demonstration of this when people didn't do this, when they were charging people, and I don't know if I want to go through the whole scripture for time purposes. <clears throat> well, let's do it. We'll, we'll, we'll take you. This is a snapshot of walking with Jesus. Let's look at some kooky stuff. You want to see what this looks like, walking out with power? Let's go to Mark 11, and I'm going to read from the message just because this reads a little more, uh, a little more like a story, and it, it, it's easier to read all the way through because it's a lot to read. There's a couple specific ways that he words things. A couple things he talks about God life I really like here because I think that really paints a good picture for me. And this is kind of a snapshot of walking out with Jesus, a very powerful, meek Jesus. He says in Mark 11, it says, When, when they were nearing Jerusalem and Bethany on Mount Olives, he sent off for two of the disciples' instructions, Go to the village across from you. As soon as you enter, you'll find a colt tethered, one that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. Basically, he's telling them to go steal a donkey. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Say, the master needs him, and he'll return him right away. Do you think that would go well? It shouldn't. Verse 4, he says, and they went and found a colt tied to a door at the street corner and untied it. Some of those standing there said, what are you doing untying that colt? The disciples replied exactly as Jesus instructed them, and the people let them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus, spread their coats on it, and he mounted. The people gave him a wonderful welcome, throwing their coats in the streets, others spread out rushes that they had cut in the fields, running ahead and following after. They were calling out Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in God's name, blessed the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. He entered Jerusalem, then entered the temple. He looked around, taking it all in, but by now it was late, so he went back to Bethany with the twelve. Now John 2 tells us he made a whip in the process at some point. He fashioned a whip. He took some time to weave up a whip. So verse twelve, he says, as they left Bethany the next day, he was hungry. Off in the distance, he saw a fig tree in full leaf. He came up to it, expecting to find something for breakfast, but found nothing but fig leaves. It wasn't yet season for figs. He addressed the tree, "No one is going to eat fruit from you again ever." And his disciples overheard him. Now remember this little story about this fig tree, because this is a bookend. This is the front book end of something he's about to teach them. Verse fifteen, he says, they arrived at Jerusalem. Immediately on entering the temple, Jesus started throwing out everyone who had set up shop there, buying and selling. He kicked over the tables, (laughs) kicked over the tables of the bankers and the stalls of the pigeon merchants. He didn't let anyone carry a basket through the temple, and then he taught them, quoting this text: "My house was designated a house of prayer for the nations. You've turned it into a hangout for thieves." The high priests and religious scholars heard what he was doing on, heard what was going on, and plotted how they might get rid of him. They panicked, for the entire crowd was carried away with his teaching. At evening, Jesus and his disciples left the city. In the morning, walking along the road, they saw the fig tree shriveled to a dry stick. Peter, remembering what had happened the previous day, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is shriveled up. Jesus was matter of fact. Embrace this God life, really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go and jump in the lake, and it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large, including everything, as you embrace this God life and you'll get God's everything. Now, the two bookends of, of him turning the tables and over in John, it also talks about they questioned his authority and said, on what authority do you come in here? Basically, what authority do you have coming in here and turning our tables over and kicking everybody out? And he says, on this authority, you, you tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. Now, they were thinking it was the temple that he was talking about, but he was talking about himself. Now, the bookends to that are the fig tree. Do you see the parallel here? The old covenant was dying and passing away, and it would not produce anymore, and the new covenant was coming in, and he was the new covenant. He was the one coming in saying, listen, this, ooh, <laughs> this authority is because you're going you're gonna to kill me, and in three days I'm going to come back, and death won't have a hold on me anymore. Your real enemy, which is not Rome, <laughs> your real enemy, which is death, hell, and the grave, is about to be defeated. You don't, and he's showing it. I love how Jesus does this. He's just walking on the road, and he sees a fig tree, and he he makes a lesson out of it, and then goes and sees. Now, yeah, they were doing some crooked stuff, and they are just like we were talking about before. They had gained some power, and they thought that they were authority on things, and they were cheating people. The Bible tells us that they were putting heavy loads. The Pharisees put heavy loads on people that they weren't even willing to carry, and they would only let them come get the blessings that they would let them get, and they were cheating them. They were taxing them and doing all kinds of crazy bad stuff, and Jesus was sick of it. He was sick of the way that things were going, not just because of the, the way they were cheating, but because the law just wasn't working in and of itself. He came to fulfill the law and make sure that he can do it right. And he's saying, look, this is passing away. This is dying. It's withering up. And if you'll embrace, as he says at the end of this, if you'll embrace this God life and pray all the time, this is why we don't, I don't push you guys to, to, to jump in a prayer closet every morning and, and go through these rituals of doing things. If you need to, that's fine. But pray all the time. When it talks about pray without ceasing, pray all the time. I pray all the time, especially when I'm driving. Don't close your eyes. <laughs> I have to remind myself sometimes. Don't close your eyes when you're praying. Pray all the time. Pray about the little things. He even says it later. He says, look, pray about the little things, pray about the big things. Pray about all the things. Not just the things you want, but be thankful of things that you have. Listen, another thing we get confused with, with power is meekness. The biblical meaning of meekness is pros, or the, the uh, Greek is Praus, Praus—I guess that's how you pronounce it. It's not weakness, but rather refers to an exercising God's strength. We're going back to what we just learned. It's not our strength, it's God's strength. Exercising God's strength under his control. Let that sink in a minute. I remember teaching the kids and youth about meekness. Back then I used car terminology. About, I had an all-wheel drive turbocharged car, and I could outrun big V8s. It was a turbocharged four-cylinder, but it was all-wheel drive. And big V8s would spin their tires, and I would take off because I had control over the, the amount of power that I had. They had twice the power I had, but no control. And I always use that as a, as a good example. All analogies break down, so you can break it down and get with me later. But I said that to say this. Jesus demonstrated this when they came to, to take him, and uh, one of his disciples went to, took an ear off. He's like, look, don't you know that I could summon more than 12 legions of angels? And I've heard sermons on 12 legions and how many they are, and it's 2,000, you multiply it. He didn't say, <laughs> he didn't say, I could summon 12 legions. He said, more than. Basically, I have power over all of them, just to give you an idea of how many, it's more than 12 legions. That's when people talk about guardian angels, they have a guardian angel, I think, well, that's cute. <laughs> I know Jesus, he controls them all. I don't need a guardian angel, he, he, does that make sense? I I, hope, I don't mean to mess up your theology, but he has control of all the angels and he's with me, so I'm good with that. I have guardian angel, all of them, in Christ. Anyway, I digress. Power and control. He could have some in 12 legions of angels, but he didn't. Why? Because it was his father's business that he was doing. And he asked him three times, hey, if there's any way that we can do this a different way, I'm about that. <laughs> I'm about that life. I'm okay. If we if there's another way, but what? Not my will, but yours be done. This is another thing. Ben and I talked about this morning. I love our, we have conversations in the morning. Sometimes some of these guys come early, me and Ben talk in the morning, and we were talking about that. Jesus never came and said, all the time, like, oh, I'm the son of God, I'm the son of God. He just said, I'm the son of man, I do what my father tells me to do. He was, he was fully dependent on the father, and he was demonstrating that because that's the way we're meant to be. In the world's power, we want to be independent, right? We want to do it ourselves, but not, not in dunamis power, not in spirit power. We do it because of what God has done. We lean on him, so we become more dependent, not more independent. It's kind of an upside-down kingdom that we talk about all the time. We become more and more dependent on the father, and in doing so, we become more and more free and we're able to share that with everybody else. Freely we receive, freely we give. So now that we don't, <clears throat> it's obvious that we don't go to a temple all the time so that we can experience the presence of God. And We have the knowledge that we're walking and talking temples. We recognize what the power actually is. And the power, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago too, is in Ephesians 3.16. I think this is the best description. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Where is it? It's in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how deep the love of Christ is. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So listen, the, the definition of power, the dunamis power is power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Us recognizing that our new nature is in Christ as a natural byproduct, we will have power and every one of you in here carries power with you. Now does that power always, and I always joke, I joke around about the Hadouken thing, it doesn't always, it, it's not always extravagant. Now it can be. There, be. there may be times that we shout in here. I, I don't shout all the time. Sometimes David shouts. I, it doesn't bother me at all. Sometimes we need to shout. Sometimes we need to raise our voices when we pray. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we need to whisper. Listen, sometimes we need to cry out to God in desperation. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we need to feel something, and that's okay, too. He meets us right in our feelings as well. Listen, sometimes we need to learn something deeper. We need to, we need to, to understand what the Scriptures mean. Another shameless plug for, for buddies Wednesday nights, man. I love seeing, digging into Scripture and understanding clear what it all means. Listen, these are all... Demonstrations and act activities that come from the dunamis power and the Holy Spirit. You don't need to paint a picture just because this person acts a certain way and this person acts a certain way that one has dunamis power and one doesn't. When you speak the Spirit, you have dunamis power. When you leave this place and you tip your waitress, you have dunamis power to bless her or him. This is simple things. When you leave this place and you go to your family and you spend time with them, you have dunamis power that you can speak truth into their lives and call their true identity in Christ out of them to recognize that. Now, what you, you know what you also have the ability to do? You don't have to do that. God's not pressing you to do that, but it's a very natural byproduct of what he's done for you. Listen, every time I come in here and worship, I just think about everything that God's done for me and I think, how could I shut up about this? How could I ever not talk about this? Not just every Sunday, although I just we have a really cool worship team and it's a perfect time. There are times when I'm driving, many times when I'm driving, I've got to pull over because I just get overwhelmed and I just start crying. I'm just like, I got to stop a minute and I just got to, I got to sit here and pray and I'll sit there and pray and there are times when I get frustrated and I think that the whole world's falling apart and I go, Lord, why are you doing this to me? And he goes, just like Paul, my grace is sufficient and I'm like, you know what? It is. It really is. Now I extend that same grace to those that are thorn in in my side. (laughs) Full disclosure. (laughs) There are people, It's not you. (laughs) I don't know if I look that way. She's like, I'm sorry, (laughs) it's not you. But If if you need more patience, if you need more understanding, you receive it from God and you give it to other people. Dunamis power is not just just the way you experience it. It's the way other people experience it as well. Be be understanding of other people, their lives, their journeys. That's why this is birthed from relationship. We don't do ministry and, and relation as a byproduct. We do relationship and ministry as a byproduct. Within the context of relationship, you begin to understand how to really minister to people. Because if we make ministry just about ministry, and we don't have relationships, then we're kind of like a resounding gong. We're just doing things going through the motions, and that's not, that's not what this church is about, and that's not what you guys are about. I'm rambling now. Stand up with me. I'll get out here a little bit early. <clears throat> Listen, in, the, in, in understanding this power, encourage your kids, especially after the, yesterday's River Day too. I mean, I can remember when I was a kid and I, I mean, all I desired was to have a father figure around or somebody to teach me or, I mean, as simple as this, somebody to pull me on a tube or, or to, to joke around with me or, you know, splash me or, or, or teach me something or something to be around. Be mindful, whether you have kids or not, be mindful of the young people around you. You, your words carry weight. Your words carry weight with them. So just. Just be mindful of that when you speak into into these kids, and we've got a lot of them. We've got a lot of kids in this church. Uh, Plus one more. God, we got so many kids. Church growth. We're going to grow this church. Um, But listen, be mindful of the way that you speak to kids because these kids carry that same power, and they haven't been polluted with all the stresses that we've been polluted with. And many of us have grown up in a different environment, and so we're raising kids in a different environment the best that we can. And so we're, we're a village, and we're helping each other raise these kids. And so you can be a role model to other people's kids, too, and you can speak life into them. So I want to encourage you to do that. All right, that's my soapbox. Lord, I just thank you. <clears throat> I thank you that you speak life in and through us. Father, I just thank you for, uh, for your Holy Spirit, that your, your power is what we, what we depend on, is what we rely on. Lord, it's not of our own ability, but I thank you that you've gifted us in specific ways individually in this church to demonstrate your love to the ones that are around us. Lord, whether it's teaching or cooking or cleaning up or or worshiping or singing or dancing or whatever it is, Lord, I just thank you that, that we can demonstrate that freely in this place, and we're not looking down or up at each other, but we're looking across at each other as sons and daughters of a living God and family members. In Jesus' name, amen.